1: Hey there, it's Scary Parachute Sunday, January 10th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting. Dodo Birds, and Leaky Black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and it was a a busy but largely calm weekend in the sport. Number 23, Michigan State lost at home to unranked Purdue on Friday night. Number 15, Rutgers lost at home to unranked Ohio State on Saturday afternoon. But as of this moment, those are the only two ranked teams that lost to unranked teams this weekend. Though I should note, um, we're recording this at like 825 Eastern on Sunday night and unranked Maryland is at number 12, Illinois, right now. That game's in progress. So, again, it's a pretty calm weekend, all things considered. But the only game between two top 15 teams on the schedule ended up being a really good one. The final score was number four, Texas, 72. Number 14, West Virginia, 70. The last 11 seconds were something. Let me walk you through it. So West Virginia's up 70-69. Emmett Matthews is at the line, shooting two. seconds left. He misses the first. He misses the second. Greg Brown grabs the rebound, gets it to Courtney Ramey. He blows straight by Taz Sherman. And West Virginia's entire defense Collapses. So here's Courtney Ramey in the lane, surrounded by five Mountaineers. His four teammates are all wide open beyond the arc, perfect spacing. Ramey gets in the air, finds Andrew Jones for an in rhythm three. He buried it with 1.8 seconds left. West Virginia didn't get off a shot on the subsequent possession. So Texas wins and extends its winning streak to 6 games. The Longhorns are now 10 and 1 overall 4-0 in the Big 12. The lone loss is a single digit loss to Villanova if the NCAA tournament started today. A that would be weird and surprising. But B, I believe Shaka Smart's team would be a number 1 seed. Come with it now, come with, it, with now. it now. Norlander, <laughs> what's better? Then Andrew Jones, cancer survivor, burying a game-winning three-pointer against a ranked opponent. In this time when we, should, we could surely use a few feel-good stories, Andrew Jones provided us one this weekend. Quit it now! <laughs>
0: Damn right he did. Can I get that one more time, please, Shaka Smart? Quit it now! That ain't even... What, what? What you say? What you say? What you say? Oh! How about Texas, my man? Texas! Looking like a great, great, great story. Really good team. This was, I'm glad we're starting on the pod here. Uh, We'll get to the Bears at the end, but I didn't know what GP was going to lead with, but I figured this was going to be it because I had a weekend wrap-up post. I'll link it in the podcast description. Kind of like 10 takeaways, and to me, the biggest story coming out of the weekend is this. It's Andrew Jones hitting the winner. Three years to the day after Shaka Smart informed uh, the then Texas roster back in 2018 that their teammate uh, Andrew Jones had uh, been diagnosed with leukemia, and it's not just what's interesting is this. So before all this happened, uh, our editor, who we who gets the occasional reference here on the podcast, shouts to Marcus Nelson. He hit me up at about halftime of this game, and uh, he said, "Listen, you know, for court report this week, we'll see what happens with Texas here. But what's what's interesting if you have if you were interested in doing it is like Andrew Jones is." an actual real factor on this Texas team. I'm like, I couldn't agree with you more. I've been thinking about the exact same thing for the past week or so. Lo and behold, GPE goes out and hits the winning shot. Texas was, was chasing the whole time. They, they, were, they were, and this win came after, and I know I wouldn't expect you to remember this. I know Longhorn fans listening certainly do. Last year, when Texas went into West Virginia, 97-59 to 59 loss. So you'll, you get absolutely creamed a year ago at West Virginia, You're off to a really good start, but this is another good test. You're trailing the whole game. Andrew Jones hits just such a clutch shot. Shouts to Courtney Ramey for even making that heads-up play. Jones is wide open. He hits the bucket. It's practically a buzzer beater. Technically wasn't. And here we go. I mean, this is really, to me, even though we knew Texas could be plenty good, it's been relevant, it's got good wins, this was it. The the Kansas win was really good, but you've gotten – You've gotten any sort of notion that the Kansas win might have been fluky? That's completely gone here. Great gritty comeback win, Texas, uh, similar to like an Iowa, in my opinion. If we're going to talk Final Four contenders, national championship factors beyond the obvious two, you got to keep Texas there permanently. They had five players scoring double figures, and it wasn't just Andrew Jones. Ramey was great. I, I, I just love this team's roster, man. They, they are, they're wonderful. Kai Jones off the bench. Uh, is as good as just about any player in, in college basketball, maybe outside of an Andrew Nembhard. And even what he does for Texas really might elevate UT more than what Nembhard does, given what they have at, at point guard up there in Spokane. So those are my immediate takeaways from that win. Uh,
1: for those unfamiliar um, with the Andrew Jones story, it's a pretty incredible story. He goes to Texas, freshman season averages 11.4 points, 3.9 rebounds, 3.5 assists as, as a first-year player. He's impactful. Sophomore year, comes back. And he's leading the team in scoring. He's averaging 15.3 points through eight games. But then he starts experiencing real fatigue, just tired all the time. And so he only plays nine minutes against Kansas, only plays 11 minutes against Iowa State. Again, this is Texas's leading scorer. So something is clearly wrong. Uh, obviously, he's seeing a doctor, going through all sorts of testing. And here's how quickly a young person's life can change. On January 1st, 2018, Andrew Jones was playing in a Big 12 basketball game. A little more than a week later, he was diagnosed with leukemia. So he's done for the season, now fighting for his life. He's released from the hospital in February 2018, so he's there for a while. Finishes outpatient treatment in August of that year, and then in October, breaks a toe. Plays two games in November, then he's done for the season again. Now, he got medical red shirts from the NCAA for both the 2017-18 season and the 2018-19 season. Comes back last season, averages 11.5 points per game while starting 11 times. This season, he started 10 games. He's averaging 13.4 points, 4.4 rebounds, and 28.7 minutes per contest. He's only shooting 31.1% from three, but he made a big one on Saturday. And if you weren't happy for him... Um, You're either a West Virginia fan or a heartless individual because, and Shaka talked about this after Saturday's game, like Andrew always said, he's going to come back and be a meaningful college basketball player. And they were like, let's just focus on getting healthy. Let's just make sure you live. And here he is, you know, one of the best players making a game winning shot for a team that has a chance to win a national championship um and shaka sort of tied the two things together you know i thankfully i don't know what it's like to to get that kind of i can't imagine what it's like to be a young person and get that type of news delivered to you you know you feel invincible when you're that age particularly when you're an athlete at that age and then now you're sick now you're in a real fight um you know shaka said that you know you, a, a, a different person might lose motivation might find themselves battling you know, mental things like depression or whatever other types of things might seep in when you're dealing with this. And yet Andrew always had an obvious goal, not just to live and not just to get healthy, but to play college basketball at the University of Texas again. Now he's doing it. He's doing it well. It is a r- incredible, remarkable, and inspiring story.
0: Hit four threes. He did play well from beyond the, uh, the the arc there on Saturday. Hit four threes on seven attempts. Finished with 16 points. And as I mentioned, five Texas players were in double figures. Ramey had led the way with 19, and Greg Brown with 12, in addition to 14 boards, by the way. And, yeah, Matt Coleman played well. Kai Jones played well. And, like – it's a luxury for Texas, and this isn't what the team wants or anything like that. But Jericho Sims logged 17 minutes. He only had he had two points. He had three boards. Like he can be better than that. And I think they've got a pretty solid eight-man rotation there at UT with six kind of super reliable players. For West Virginia, it's a stinging loss. Uh, I thought Miles McBride uh, could have been a little bit better. Derek Culver not quite as good. Um, no Oscar Shibway, uh who, by the way, commuted to Kentucky earlier on Sunday, but we'll get to that uh, perhaps later in the podcast. But I thought no she-boy in this game actually made a difference. If you told me that he had been available and playing at even just his baseline for this season, I actually thought West Virginia would have won this game. Now it's getting a little bit of a dose of what it's going to be like without him. West Virginia, for those who aren't Ears fans, trying to keep track here. It's lost three of its past five. Its wins have come at home against Northeastern, and then they stole one against Oklahoma State. They've got a scheduled game Tuesday night against Baylor. Just keep an eye on West Virginia here. Still think it's going to be good enough to get in the tournament, but I just am not convinced. And I've been this way a while with West Virginia, even when Sheboy was in the lineup. I'm just not quite convinced this is a second-weekend-level kind of team. A team that's going to wind up with a a relatively respectable seed as we head in there. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they'll shock the world and beat Baylor on Tuesday night, but there's nothing to indicate that's going to happen. It gets a little bit of a reprieve after that with home games against TCU and Oklahoma State, but just keep an eye. But yes, this was the... uh, I thought it was the the biggest shot, the biggest game, the biggest takeaway on Saturday, and we can get to the other stuff in a second here, but I'm glad we'd love with it because Texas, for me, it's the best start for them since 2010-11. They won their first 11 league games that season, and at 10-1... and It's now proven wins at Texas, I mean, wins at Kansas, wins at West Virginia, in addition to beating Indiana and North Carolina. There's enough there. It's going to take another loss or two or three. That's going to come, but a top five defense knocking on the door, being a top 10 offense, this is it. This is the team. This is a team that's good enough, not saying it will, but it is good enough, I believe, with that roster. If everyone can stay healthy and you continue to get production out of Jones coleman ramey's really coming along he's their best three-point shooter by far yes certainly if you're a ut fan and you've been kind of aching to get back to the final four since that 0-3 year where you got knocked out knocked out by Mello and Qs, this can certainly be that team and i thought this kind of win goes a long way to proving that
1: gonzaga leads the nation in quadrant one wins but texas leads the nation in blue blood wins they've got the neutral court over indiana at kansas um and a win over North Carolina. So they have wins over three of the biggest brands in the sport. Texas next game, Wednesday against Texas Tech. That is another Quadrant One opportunity. Gonzaga and Baylor both remained undefeated this weekend. We'll talk Zags and Bears next, but first, check this out. Gonzaga and Baylor both remained undefeated this weekend. Gonzaga beat Portland 116-88. Baylor beat TCU 67-49. So the Zags are now 12-0 with 11 double-digit wins, and the Bears are 11-0 with 11 double-digit wins. As of this moment, Gonzaga's adjusted efficiency margin is plus 31.94. Baylor's is plus 31.92 and then Iowa is third at plus 27.23. So the difference between first and second is 0.02, and the difference between second and third is 4.69. In other words, there's almost no difference between Gonzaga and Baylor, but nobody else belongs in the conversation with those two teams right now. That's what the computers say at least. Norlander, do you agree with that assessment, or would you put another team at their level? Or better yet, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm would you take if i offered it to you right now the field gonzaga and baylor or the field you would take the field
0: no question about it yeah if you started the tournament tomorrow that would be weird um the safe it would catch
1: would... me by surprise i'd be probably i'd wake up to like text messages probably yeah. they'd be like be, they'd be like, hey off. we need you we need you on x hq and i'm like but my my kids are running around the house right now what's going on they'd be like well the ncaa tournament's starting and i'd I did freak me out.
0: Yeah, it would. And, but at least, at least this, you and I both know that if that happened and they called you to HQ, you could say, listen, I don't know if you know this, but you need 68 teams to have an NCAA tournament. You got that in your back pocket. You're good yeah, the, to go.
1: The, yeah. The thing some people don't remember is that uh, you, you know, only four teams make the final four. I yeah. love those little things. I love it.
0: Absolutely. Love it. Um, Was this question, by the way, inspired by my tweet late on Saturday night, my screen grab?
1: Yes, because I was going to clown you. um, because (laughs) why? Why? Because it was technically incorrect. You said that um, at this moment, like Baylor went Mm -hmm. final over TCU, and you were like, okay, Baylor is edged ahead of Gonzaga in uh, adjusted efficiency margin, but Gonzaga will go back in front once its Portland win registers Mm -hmm. and when that win went in last night they didn't go back in front but at this moment something happened today that made them go back in front
0: Gotcha. So it wasn't as of last. Interesting. So, well, well the like, reason for that, Like, I yeah.
1: wonder, I don't, I, don't under, I don't know, like, was it Iowa getting a big win over Minnesota that flipped Gonzaga's number back ahead of Baylor?
0: Yeah, I mean, every result in the Ken Palm universe affects all the other standings in general with the efficiency margin, because uh, Gonzaga's like 31.94 and Baylor's 31.92. That's adjusted to the rest of the sport. So it depends on what teams won today, what teams lost today, by how many margins. That's how that's determined at this point in the season. So you're right. That's exactly it. And uh, I didn't realize I skated out on that I did not uh, know that Gonzaga was technically not ahead although that doesn't surprise me because when I sent that I fully expect I mean Gonzaga was cruising I fully expected Gonzaga to to win big and cover it actually did not even cover at that point it won one sixteen eighty eight. that's not a cover Um, I don't know this to be a fact and I dropped the trivia time on you if I knew it but uh, it might be since Loyola Marymount that you had a team score north of 110 and not covering a game in college basketball that's kind of wild but so it'd be there it is I would take the field that would be the smart bet if the field field started, two teams versus the rest of the field, the higher percentage is going to be the 66 other teams that are in the the dance as opposed to those two, but it is a legitimate question here, and I do think there's a real level of separation. I mean, at this point, what do you want to say? Baylor's won 11 games. They've all been by double digits. They weren't uh, neither of these teams played in games that really you know flared the national radar they just remain, it was business as usual. They remained undefeated. Joel ayayi by the way, had a triple double. Uh, it was the first that this was surprising it was the first one in program history for Gonzaga so credit to ayayi he wound up with 12 points, 13 boards, 14 assists and um, he's their fourth best player. It's absolutely absurd. They're again, they're just crazy loaded. So I would take the field. I if you asked me to bet, I would take the field. I wouldn't feel good about it if you put a bracket down in front of me right now, um, and I just had to pick one team. I would still pick Gonzaga. But if I actually had to wager money and you said, okay, you got to put five hundred bones on this one way or the other, I would take the field because it's the, it's the it's the safer bet right now. But I just don't see how anyone is really just in that conversation just yet. The stats bear it out, and really the, the the results, GP, bear it out. I know Michigan's still undefeated, and that's a great story so far. We'll see what can happen this week. All the other teams that are behind them that are in the conversation, Iowa's got two losses, although it looked good on Sunday. Nova's only lost once. It's in the middle of a pause again. We'll wait and see. Wisconsin's solid. Um, we just talked about Texas. Uh, Tennessee certainly seems to be there, so i got to believe you're with me here on this. Um, Not that they can't be beaten. I think we're pretty level-headed when it comes to this. Of course they can be defeated, Parrish, but there is a real separation here, and what feels different about this to me, and I have not gone back and looked at this yet because I really wanted to wait another two weeks or so. I wonder when the last time college basketball would have had a top two that separated an efficiency margin you know, by four, four and a half points or so. Not just like a team that's separated from the pack. Not just one team, but just like two, and then a little bit of a gap there. That's clearly what we got with uh, with the Zags and Bears that are seem to be uh, leapfrogging each other, depending on the result uh, so far right now.
1: If I offered you five hundred dollars to to find five hundred actual bones within two hours, how it? would you go about that? You think?
0: Does it count if I if I count my own bones?
1: Yeah, like, but you have to, you have to be able, you have to, you have to lay them down. I want to see them on a table so that gets that, that doesn't gets count. Then
0: trivia time. Okay. How many bones are in the human body? Seven. No, come on, give me a real guess. <laughs> this <laughs> is. No. I feel like this is relatively guessable.
1: Well, let me let me look at my. I got a little bone there. How
0: are many my, bones do you my think? Finger,
1: are my finger? Are each of my phone my each of my fingers a bone?
0: Yeah, you got bones. You actually, I, I believe the hand has more bones than any other part of the body.
1: Yeah, I feel like. Sorry, that's ten. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna start with ten. Yeah. And then I feel like there's gotta be a few there each. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna call that twenty eight. And we're we'll <laughs> yes. gonna do that thirty. I feel like I got a neck bone. That's gonna count as one. <laughs> thirty well, I might have two in there. Um, I'd say something like uh, like eighty seven.
0: Going eighty seven bones in the human body.
1: I think eighty-seven bones. I think I feel like that's how many I have. I can't speak for other people.
0: I believe. Hold on, I'm going on. Uh, how many? I'm, I'm going to it's more. It's around two hundred. I'm going to say it's two o eight. How many bones in the human body?
1: Yeah, I don't think I have that
0: many. I think it's two o six. Two o six. Eighty-seven would be uh, certainly interesting. I don't know if the if if we'd be podcasting if our species evolved to just eighty-seven bones. But hey, I feel
1: like I, I feel like I don't need most of mine. <laughs> okay.
0: What do you need all those bones for, honestly? You know, evolution and all that good stuff. By the way, I don't want to get this off the rails, and we'll get to this more in the reviews. So just a quick tease. The response to the Dodo section of the last podcast was as enthusiastic as any topic we've had in months and months and months. Who would have ever thought?
1: I ordered a Dodo Bird shirt off of Amazon. It should be here by tomorrow night.
0: (laughs) You're out of your mind. (laughs)
1: I'm fired up. I can't wait to get it. It says, um "We will rise again." Yeah. Which,
0: by the way, it's an extinct species, so uh, that's not how extinction works. But you know what? I do like the spirit, and I'm debating following with you. I had one. What it was the one that I sent? It said, "Never forget." Never forget. <laughs> never, never forget. <laughs> at never some forget point, you, at some point, those oh. stupid
1: birds needed to be a little more skeptical of the Dutch. They trusted too much. They trusted too much, and they got burned. Okay. Yes, I'm with you. I would take the field over Gonzaga-Baylor. But let me make the argument about why maybe you shouldn't. A one... Right now, it appeared, barring something weird, they are going to be one seeds in the NCAA tournament. And I know that it just takes a little, you know, maybe one injury here or a losing streak there. Baylor more susceptible than Gonzaga to this type of stuff because of league affiliation. But, you know, the the thing sometimes people forget is that only four teams can get number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. So um, I assume two of them will be Gonzaga-Baylor, but it's not guaranteed. But for the sake of the conversation, play along. We're going to assume that those are going to be two of the number one seeds. A number one seed usually wins the NCAA tournament. Like it, it, people throw this out there all the time. Like single elimination tournament, you never know, and I guess you you do never know. And it's not always the best team, but it is usually a number one seed. Trivia time: mm. Ten of the past thirteen national champions, ten of the past thirteen, have been number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. Can you name the three that weren't? That won it all. They won it all, but they weren't a number yeah. one seed. It's only happened three times in the past thirteen. Tournaments.
0: Sure. I'm going to outsource this question to our audience as I answer this. I want to say, by the way, my blind guess, since it went to 64 teams in 85, that the one seed wins the tournament. I'm going to say it's about 43, 44% of the time. I think it's less than 50% of the time a one seed wins it, but you're talking it, about it, 10 it, of the past 13.
1: Yeah, did they won 10 of the past 13, so I'm talking about mm-hmm. starting in 2007 when Florida, as a one seed, won the NCAA tournament. The year before, by the All way, All right, for, so far oh, far oh, 07 is, is Florida.
0: 08 is Kansas. It was a one seed. 09 is Carolina. It was a one seed. 2010 is Duke. It was a one seed. 2011 is Yukon, which is not a one seed, so that's one of them.
1: That's correct. They were a three seed. They were three seed.
0: 2012 is Kentucky. It was a one seed. 13 was Louisville. It was a one seed. 14 is Yukon, It was a seven seed. That's number two. 15 is Duke. A one seed over Wisconsin. 16, I think, is Nova as a two seed winning. I think Nova's a 2 seed in 16 cuz 17th Carolina is a 1, 18 Nova's a 1, 19 Virginia's a 1. Talk to me.
1: Ding 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 ding. Or later. That was impressive. There we go. What do you want from me? You got it exactly right and you
0: got the seeds right, although I think I helped you with UConn was a 3 seed in 2011. I I just I was slow to the take, but I was I was on it, don't worry. I was on it. Florida's a I'm 7 on. and 1. Florida's a 3 in 2006. Correct. Five is UConn a one, four is UConn a one, three is Syracuse a three, two, Maryland's a one, oh one, Duke is a one, 2000, Michigan State, I think it's a one, but it might be a two, anyway, go ahead.
1: Back to Gonzaga, so, so, yeah, I'm with you, I would take the field, but a one seed does normally, in recent history, a one seed does win the NCAA tournament way more often than not, and... If you are assuming a one seed's going to win it this year, well, then you're really just picking the other two one seeds over Gonzaga Baylor. I know you're actually not doing that, but I think you get my mm-hmm. point. Um, I would take the field, though, but Gonzaga Baylor, they have separated themselves. Gonzaga, by the way, became this weekend the first team to score at least 85 points in each of its first 12 games since Loyola Marymount in the 1990-91 season. And Ken Palm now gives the Zags, I believe for the first time, a better than 50% chance of finishing the regular season undefeated. They're projected to be at least 12 point favorites in every game going forward. Baylor, Baylor, They only have one quad, one win right now. It's over Illinois by double digits. So the Bears haven't played the same type of schedule that Gonzaga has played, but all 11 wins by double digits. Seven of the 11 have been by at least 29 points. They haven't trailed by more than four points at any point in any game this season and the next four games are west virginia on tuesday at home they're at texas tech on saturday they got a showdown with kansas on january 18th at home and then they're at oklahoma state on january 23rd right now each of those four games project as quadrant one opportunities so though the bears bill henderson's bears uh, used to be bill henderson's bears now scott drew's bears though the bears are um Ranked second in the country and killing everybody. They only have one quadrant, one win, but that should change soon.
0: All right, GP, what about the rest of the weekend? Because you were right. It wasn't a huge weekend, but there were there are no shortage of interesting results, at least. So uh what stood out to you? What do you want to hit on?
1: Well, like I mentioned at the top, Purdue upset Michigan State inside the Breslin Center. Ohio State upset Rutgers inside the rack. Meantime, Kansas struggled, but still got past Oklahoma inside Allen Fieldhouse. Kentucky destroyed Florida inside the O Dome. UCLA won at Arizona. Bruins are now five and zero in the Pac twelve. Iowa beat Minnesota by double digits on Sunday afternoon. Um, the most interesting thing, I think, clearly is Kentucky looking like a quality basketball team. I, I don't know if they've done too much damage to their resume. Like, can they pull? Can they be great enough to pull out of the the hole that they've clearly dug for themselves? but they do look like a quality basketball team, at least in this moment.
0: Yeah, that's the number two item in my wrap-up. So Kentucky still needs to win two more games. It's got a big one on Tuesday against Alabama. winner of that will be uh, in control of first place in the SEC, and we'll obviously uh, recap that on Wednesday morning's podcast. But they got Keon Brooks back. What's, What's interesting is they haven't had Terrence Clark for three games, and Kentucky's won three in a row. Here are some stats real quick. It's shooting 46.8% beyond three its past three games, GP. It was shooting 25% before that. It's shooting 77.4% from the line before this past three-game win streak. It was at 66.2%. It's up to 8.7 blocks and 8.7 steals per game in this win streak, and it was uh, hovering around five per game with each of those. And listen, the wins have been inspiring. There was no doubt about it with that Florida win. Keon Brooks, uh, listen, he, he was important. 24 minutes off the bench, 12.6 boards, four dimes, and overall, yeah. I don't want to overreact. I still don't think Kentucky's going to the tournament. Outlook's way more optimistic right now than it was, and it can get there, and it's capable of winning the auto, but if they hold an SEC tournament. But I'm still not – I'm not there yet. They get the home game against Bama on Tuesday, which is big. If they lose it, um, I think that would be deflating. If they win it, then talk about a team that's really going to be feeling itself and rightfully so. But yes, I thought that was notable it was the I believe it was the first loss in about 22-23 years by that many points for Florida inside the Odell.
1: How directly do you tie Kentucky going on a three-game winning streak to Terrence Clark not playing? in these three games?
0: I mean, I don't know. It, it It's bizarre because I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I thought Kentucky's best player this season was going to be Terrence Clark. There was a lot of buzz about it, it being BJ Boston heading into the season. Some thought it might even be Olivier Saar. I always felt that Clark was going to be the guy. Uh, a lengthy wing, combo guard, kind of can play three positions. It just hasn't been that. I don't know. I mean, I just don't... I. Do I think it's coincidence? Maybe a little here, but Brooks coming back. You had the had the Dante Allen breakout game. By the way, since then, overall he's thirteen to twenty five from three point range, and you know he's still getting his his spots there. So they are they are coming together, but we still got to see a little bit more. Good win here. They got a double OT win against Mississippi State, and then they they and they eked by Vanderbilt last week. So it's there, but I still got to see more. Bam at home, then at Auburn, then at Georgia which got smoked. Um, if Kentucky's for real, it wins all three of these and it's riding a six-game win streak and then it's back in the saddle, but I got to see it. I just, I'm just a little skeptical right now.
1: I don't think it's a coincidence that they've gotten better without Terrence Clark. Like, forget everything you know about Terrence Clark or think you know about Terrence Clark. Forget about where he was ranked coming out of high school. Forget about where you've seen him in a mock draft. And let's just focus on the seven games he played at Kentucky so far this season. Playing 31 minutes a game, so he's on the court all the time. He's taking more than 10 shots per game, so he's putting the ball up a lot, and he's not making them. 43% from the field, 22.7% from three-point range, oh, and he turns the ball over three times per game. Like, you eliminate that from your basketball team, you get better. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that Kentucky will long-term be better without Terrence Clark, but I don't think it's – it's you, you have to uh, – uh, I don't think it's crazy – to suggest well they that's what they were getting from that player he is no longer a part of anything and whatever they're using in 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 that in in his absence which is Dante Allen um is better like Dante Allen's been a better basketball player than Terrence Clark has in this season yes. that's undeniable And so I don't think like, I'm not putting it all on Terrence Clark. Like I'm not suggesting John Calipari should just redshirt him the rest of the season and not use him. But I do think they're better without him because he was not good.
0: I agree with you. And uh, I I do agree with that. And we'll, we'll have plan. I know we've been talking, talking about a lot of Kentucky, but they're frankly, they're still interesting on a weekly basis. Like if they had lost then we wouldn't be talking about it, but they got the win. They got the win. Big Keon Brooks looked like everything they were hoping he would be. By the way, Bama, it won ninety four ninety at Auburn. How much did that game? Did you get a chance to see any of that early on Saturday? Or no? It was a wild ride.
1: I had it on. I'm not gonna act like I watched every possession, but I and it wouldn't have been something I would have normally been watching at that time because mm-hmm. it was an early game, right? Yes. And there were like interesting early games NC State Miami was interesting um, surprise like Miami missing two of its top three scores and goes and wins at NC State that was a bit of a surprise Rutgers getting run off the court by Ohio wow. State inside the rack that was a surprise so I was more focused on those two games than I was Alabama Auburn but it was on and I was aware that they were playing a fun up-tempo basketball game yes
0: I'll uh, yeah just quick on this and I'll keep up with the whip around but yeah Bama's 9-3 in league play one ninety four ninety. Sharif Cooper won up playing for Auburn, and he was balling out early. It looked like a pretty good story, and then they put uh, John Petty on him, and then they kind of shut him down. He had a couple bad shots late, and Auburn couldn't steal the upset win, but it was, uh, it w- it was a good game and a big win for Bama. Uh, obviously, their fans are all totally invested in Monday Night's National Championship game, and so I understand that, but Bama had 15 steals. You mentioned Rutgers. So, it started 7-1. and one. Now it's 7-4. and four. It's 3-4 in the league. It's next four scheduled games. Friday against number 8 Wisconsin. Then it's at Indiana on January 24th. January 28th it's hosting Michigan State which is ranked but won't be in the in the Monday poll and then it's at northwestern if it goes one and three in those games it's gonna I you know it's gonna become a bubble team just keep an eye on that I I still like Rutgers but the losses are are piling up I want to bring up one game that you didn't mention just because I caught, talked to the coach on Sunday morning how about this USC won at Arizona and at Arizona State Thursday and Saturday it's now eight and two and I don't think most people realize this because, frankly, it's USC. They're not ranked. They're playing out West, and they're just normally not super relevant, but they haven't had Ethan Anderson, their starting point guard, for seven games, and it's an 8-2 and two team, and they've won games on the road. They won at Arizona and Arizona State for the first time in the same season since 1985.
1: What? How about this? I heard this on the broadcast last night of UCLA, Arizona. Yeah. This, this was the first time UCLA and USC have both swept the Arizona schools in the same season on the road Ever.
0: I couldn't believe this stat. I knew I couldn't believe this stat when I heard it. In fact, I didn't mention it on the pod because I didn't know if I could trust it, but whatever. It's their stat they said on the broadcast. I couldn't believe that that had happened. That seems unthinkable to me, but it did happen. Well, you know, it's believable now because you know who's stalking that sideline down in Westwood. We know Mick it did. Cronin,
1: hashtag now
0: can stay. Hashtag absolutely. So good on UCLA. We got an interesting top of the race of the Pac 12 kind of forming with the LA schools, but. Evan Mobley had a wonderful back-to-back set of games here, and he is. I still maintain he should be a top three pick in next year's or this year's NBA draft. But but we'll wait and see on that. That was just a a good win, and and USC is establishing self. Meanwhile, Arizona State was shorthanded; it's now sub five hundred. I thought that was going to win. The team was going to win the league, and it's kind of it's kind of slipped, spiraling away. Um. One other news item, I talked to Dan Hurley late Saturday night. UConn 6-1. See, this is what UConn fans were really hoping for here. Not that James Booknight would be out. He's out. Hurley told me that Booknight's going to have his elbow looked at Monday and we will have more answers. If it's a long-term thing, long-term in quotes, That would be a couple weeks. But he might not miss more than one or two other games there. But UConn 6-1 and with a 3-1 mark in the Big East. It won at Hinkle. I did find out. First time ever at Hinkle. You asked on the previous pod. Indeed, that was the case and Butler had Aaron Thompson back. UConn didn't have its best player. It won by 12. This is the second-best offensive rebounding team in the country, and maybe UConn becomes a bigger deal in two or three weeks, but just thought it was worth bringing up. They're 6-1. I think they're headed to the tournament, and we still got to figure out what's going to happen in this league, but it's got a good chance of being the third-best team. If it's not, maybe it's Xavier, Colby Jones hit a winning shot to beat Providence. That's a total stinger if you're a Friars fan, but uh, he, Jones, after the game, revealed to Reporters Parish that he hits this winner, and he lost his grandfather just a few days ago, and it's he was extremely close. Like, his grandfather was one of those family members that, growing up, he was at every single one of Colby Jones's games. Just lost him. So our our hearts and thoughts go out to him and his, his family. And for him to hit a big shot like that, I thought that was a really, really cool moment there. So that was another uh, another notable result on a relatively quiet, but a, but a decent weekend. And we're starting to see some things take a little bit of shape here. Um, I, I, th- I feel like the next week or so will, pr- will bring some more separation overall. I mean, Iowa... Doing what it did to Minnesota, getting its its, you know, vengeance, if you will. I mean, it lost an OT at Minnesota on Christmas Day, and then it had no issue today. GP, I watched all of that game leading into my Bears, and Luca had like 33. Weescamp had another really good game, and my my takeaway is just like you know, I know Iowa is not the greatest defensive team, but they're a championship contender. Like the offense is just straight up good enough. Luca Garza, every I want to watch him every single dude. <laughs> sometimes it's like he's playing against you know jv jv guys in high school it's just like give me the damn ball i'm gonna lumber my way i'm gonna score this down low you cannot stop me so that was another good win by iowa they remain a top five team
1: the last team i would want to touch on is can be accurately described this way and i want you to tell me what you think of a team that i'm describing this way they're 85th in the net they're now two and four in their league they are they have zero quadrant one wins they're 0 and 3 in quadrant 1 opportunities. That's I just described a basketball team. Uh, Trivia time, can you name that team? Jeez.
0: 85th what's their record?
1: Their overall record is 8 and 4. They're 2 and 4 in their league. They're 85th in the net. They're 0 and 3 in quadrant 1 games, so they have 0 quadrant 1 wins.
0: Did they win or lose this weekend?
1: They lost at
0: home. Uh Michigan State
1: that's Michigan State, 85th in the net, 2-4 hmm. and four in the Big Ten, 0-3, quadrant one opportunities. Like I tweeted this on Saturday morning. They lost on Friday night. And that's sort of what I wrote about in the, you know, I, I write about somewhere between 250, 350 words for the top of the top 25 and one every morning. And, you know, the only team that – relevant team that played on Friday night, it was it was the Michigan State-Purdue game. So I'm writing about Michigan State. And I just sort of pointed out, like you know, they're they're 44th at Ken Palm, 85th in the net, 0 and three in quadrant one games, two and four in the Big Ten, like, and, and oh by the way, Ken Palm currently projects them to finish eight and 12 in the Big Ten, like I, you know, I, I, that's not an NCAA tournament team. Eight and 12 in the Big Ten is not going to get them in. They're going to have to outperform the computer. I got a lot of pushback from like Michigan State fans. One guy just arguing facts. We live in a world now where people argue facts, it's amazing. I, I, I don't know how we got to this stupid place, but but we're here. So I'm like, Michigan State's 0-3 in quadrant one opportunities. And a guy's like, oh, really? What about the win over Rutgers? What about the win at Duke? I'm like, yeah, those don't qualify. You can look this stuff up yourself. You don't have to tweet me. You can just go look it up yourself. It's not like I got secret access codes to the net rankings. You can look it up yourself. Duke's not a quadrant one win right now. Rutgers not a quadrant one win right now. Might be someday, and when it is, I'll phrase that differently. But right now, Michigan State, is 0-3 in quadrant one opportunities, 85th in the net, 2-4 in the Big Ten, and projected by Kim Palm to finish 14-12 overall, 8-12 in the Big Ten. That will not be good enough. So nobody else is really talking about this, and in fact, when I bring it up, there I seem to get hit with backlash every time. Like, you must have forgot who coaches Michigan State. <laughs> no, I didn't forget who coaches Michigan State. But sometimes even great coaches can have teams that aren't good enough to make the NCAA tournament, and it's at least possible. Not definite, but possible. That is what Tom Izzo has
0: right now. It's definitely possible. Rocket Watts isn't playing well enough. It's also got to bother that staff. Travion Williams, I watched most of that game on Friday. Travion Williams was a beast. He had 26. No other Purdue player had more than seven. I mean, he carried him to the win. It was an ugly win. You could practically see... The grin through Painter's gator at the end. They knew they had it. They got it late. They won it. And yeah, I mean that was a that was a necessary win, by the way, for Purdue, which is eight and five and sitting at three and three in the Big Ten and just seems to be one of those teams that's destined to uh, to dance on the bubble. But it's in a better spot right now than Michigan State. And right, now, I just brought it up. <laughs> this is damn interesting. I mean, you're at the Big Ten, so it's a lot. It's gonna be interesting. Look at this schedule. If they don't lose any of these games to postponement, they're at. Iowa on Thursday, it would be so Iowa and so Michigan State if the Spartans won that though. Then home to Indiana on Sunday, home to Illinois after that, and then they're at Rutgers and at Ohio State. Oh man, oh man. You're right though. It's Michigan State. It's an eight and four. It's not like a. It's not a Kentucky record right now. They got a high. They got a high-profile, not necessarily yet high-quality win against Duke. And so because of that, maybe their vulnerability has been floating off the radar. But as I just said a, a few minutes back, they will not be in the AP Top 25 refresh on Monday morning. And that game at Iowa is certainly that's looming. That's the kind of game where if Iowa played well and won, you know, like 89-74, then it's kind of like the... I think more people start to notice But everyone listening now, you're in early because GP's rightfully pointing this out. There's a lot of work to be done, and that's normally not the case. Don't confuse what's happening right now with Michigan State in years past where it's kind of struggled a little bit non-con, but it's gotten a good win or two, and it's kind of rounded out in form. Normally when we get here, there's not this much lacking on the resume the way it is right now with Sparty.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a, a also a situation where the AP poll misleads people a little bit because people find it hard to believe two things that Michigan State could really miss the NCAA tournament and B that uh, somebody's talking about a team that's ranked in the AP poll right now, um, missing the NCAA tournament. But you're right when that poll updates on Monday, they're not going to be in it. And, you know, the truth is, there's not much there there's no substance to the resume at this point, like eight and four doesn't sound awful and it isn't, but they are two and four in the big 12. I mean, big 10 they're 0 and three in quadrant one games and the computer numbers are not good. You know, even, you know, and I know the net can, it, it fluctuates a lot right now. Like, you know, Kentucky went from, I don't know, in the one twenties or one thirties into the eighties just after one game. So I, I don't swear by any of this stuff, but I don't care what computer numbers you look at. They put Michigan state in a dangerous place. Like if you're outside, if you're inside the top 40 at Ken Palm, you can reasonably expect you're in, you're in the tournament. Like there are exceptions to that every year, but you can almost every year, but you can reasonably assume. But once you get outside of the top 40, you're in a iffy situation and 85th at the net, that's a real bad place to be. So this is all I'm saying. They are in more danger of missing the tournament for the first time in 22 NCAA tournaments than most people seem to realize and unless they outperform the computers they are not going to make the NCAA tournament that's not even a prediction that's a fact if they don't outperform the computers what the computers say is likely at this moment they will not make the NCAA tournament like you said the next one it's a tough one at Iowa which by the way the Hawkeyes 22-1 Twenty-two and one inside Carver Hawkeye in the past twenty-three games. So good luck winning there. Trivia time: Who was the last team to beat Iowa at home?
0: I'm gonna guess Michigan State.
1: No. Okay. <laughs>
0: Is it guessable?
1: Is this stupid? I'll just tell you: Purdue last March, but
0: <laughs> okay, Iowa last only
1: March. La- yeah. Okay. They were twenty-two and one inside Carver Hawkeye past twenty-three games. Purdue beat them last March. That's the one. They only lost twice at home last season. So once was Purdue mm. and the other trivia time. Can you guess this one?
0: First of all, you're... Because you're, when, I, when
1: I say it, you're going to remember it, but you're not going to remember it until I say it.
0: Maybe that won't be true. First of all, you're getting loosey-goosey with these trivia times. It used to be a special little segment. Now you're just like, it's just like, you know, you're tossing in like toothpaste in the cart at the, at the store here, whatever. Let's <sighs> answer the questions. Iowa at home. Last I only season. lost twice last season.
1: Once was to Purdue, and the other one was to. <laughs> You're right. I just i i am trying to think. This is how right I am. You will not remember it as soon as I say it. You'll ah, say, "Oh yeah, I remember that."
0: I hate this. Come on, man. I'm going to tell you. In, hold on, in league or out of league.
1: You can't take trivia time hints. That's inappropriate for you that's to even actually ask.
0: Actually, very much allowed.
1: You gave me hints earlier. Um. The President of the United States calls the Secretary of State in Georgia to try to influence him to uh, to inappropriately the change the re election. And now you think you can just ask
0: for hints in trivia not time. That same. is not the way our country works. What team was it? Not the way
1: our country works, Norlander. You're out of line.
0: What was the team?
1: DePaul, last November. Oh, my God. Beat him by 15. You're you remember right. that, right?
0: I do remember that. Oh, yeah. terrible. Come on. DePaul. Gosh de paul
1: so anyway michigan state's next game at iowa if they lose that one and they will be expected to lose it they'll drop to two and five in the big ten and be oh and four in quadrant one opportunities you want to get to
0: some apple reviews lay it on me i love the apple reviews i don't uh, listen i'm i only got one in the chamber Uh, before you read these i have to say this everyone the reviews are getting better they're getting weirder the titles are making me cackle out loud and ask my wife what's going on in there. So I don't know which one's GP is gonna uh, gonna lay out here. Keep it up. I want more of them. They used to be something that I would just kind of go in and check on. Now, now it is required. I'm like saving them up. And the other thing is this: if I'm getting this much joy out of them, if you if you are a listener that's simply logged one, go find them. I think you'll identify. You'll relate with the fellow listener. They are they are wonderful. Make them as interesting random rambling as you want i can't get enough of them they have taken it to another level in the recent weeks what do you got yeah,
1: I, I was legit laughing out loud at some of these as well so thank you guys for taking the time to not just go leave five stars in a nice comment like you could do that actually in 10 seconds but for anybody who's you know, writing paragraphs and and tying little themes of the podcast into it, um, it A, it's helpful. So thank you. But B, um, it's it's funny. So I like the laugh. I'm having a good time with them. I pulled out a few. We can't read them all, but I did pull out a few and we'll just bounce through them real quick. The first one I got, it comes from Jason in LA. Here's what he wrote. He said, last week, you read a review from someone who knows nothing about college basketball, but still loves the podcast. How about this for a compliment? I am a huge college basketball fan and I enjoy this show so much that I actually subscribe to the podcast at GP's Memphis radio show where I hear about all kinds of things I'm not interested in. <laughs> Daily updates on Memphis's offensive efficiency at Ken Palm and ad reads for dentists and computer repair shops and multiple barbecue establishments I won't likely have the pleasure of patronizing. Nonetheless, I enjoy it. Norlander, I've got some love for you too. I grew up in Connecticut and can confirm Drake's Cake are in fact a thing i myself was partial to yodels and ringdings and shouts to my usc trojans off to a great start perhaps due to our advanced comfort level with playing in empty gyms uh he he wrote that he didn't think we'd ever actually talk about usc organically and yet we did we did earlier because norlander you 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 said you spoke to andy infield this morning I right Did
0: how about that some unintended synergy there by the way you familiar with the ringdings or the yodels Man, I ain't never seen. Oh my gosh!
1: I don't know nothing about a ring ding. Tell you what,
0: I had a, I had a just a sick addiction to ring dings in high school. I'm trying
1: to think of of what southern, like what southern thing that would be. Everybody who lives in my neighborhood would know it, but you might not.
0: I feel like I feel like what the ring ding was to the northeast. It's definitely similar, although these were also available up here. It's the Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pie basically. Not the same kind of food, but that's the same kind of, you know, those were around, correct? Yes, but you don't have Little Debbies? We do, but it wasn't as I don't think it was as popular in the Northeast as the Yodel, the Ring Ding. I feel like the Twinkie, by the way, is really the the cake that is kind of universal. Like, you you had the Twinkies. Twinkies were everywhere. Well, of course. Okay, there we go. But th- okay, how about let me
1: that? ask you this. Are you familiar with a Crystal Burger? No, shot. You don't know what a Crystal is? No. Like if I said hey do you want to get you want to swing through crystals you would have no
0: idea what I'm talking about I'm guessing it's something like a white castle
1: that's exactly right. Okay. It's like a white cast, a little bitty hamburgers. You know, when when you've been out all night, um, yeah. you, you get your Uber nope. driver to swing through Crystal. You don't. Yeah, I, I, I did think that was mostly a Southern thing. Yeah, Waffle House also mostly a Southern thing, but everybody's familiar with Waffle House.
0: Well, yes, but unfortunately, that's uh, that's why like whenever we go to Peach Jam or you know Final Fours in Atlanta, like I'm way, <laughs> I'm way more down with getting Waffle House than anyone because it's like a once a year thing for me.
1: There's a Waffle House like five minutes from my house, and pre-pandemic during pandemic doesn't matter jam-packed every day (laughs) people don't care about COVID inside that waffle house they want some scattered smothered covered chunked and diced so uh yeah waffle house is a is a southern signature and usc eight and two evan mobley looks great next one comes from danny carlson here's what danny wrote He said, if there ever were a podcast that was the verbal equivalent of hitting a shot from the snout, it would be the Ion College Basketball Podcast. While I do not think there has been near enough poly poly Polycap at DePaul discussion this year, I have, as an Arkansas native, been pleased with the level of slobberhog discussion to offset it. I have only been a listener of the podcast for a year, but this podcast has been one of the major contributors to my newfound love for the sport of college basketball. My birthday... Danny writes, is Sunday, January 10th. And nothing would make for a better birthday present than to hear Norlander call the hogs live on the pod. Happy birthday, Danny. Norlander, can you call the hogs for this man? Do you uh, know I, how I, to call the hogs? I
0: don't. So I did read this, I did read this review, and I don't know how to call them, and I don't feel like I should. But what do we do? Woo-pick Suey? Okay. It's uh it's,
1: I don't want to call the Hawks because you're supposed to call you the hugs, but Yes, it, it, it is Woo Pig Suey, Woo Pig Suey, Woo Pig Suey Razorbacks. Started in the 1920s, so several centuries after the dodo birds were done with. Um, this drove me crazy today. So I actually, I, I, sometimes when you look this stuff up, you might there might be a funny story there. So I was like, okay, where did this come from? Where did, like, why? Did, how did the stupid... Not
0: stupid. I think mean, it's kind of stupid. It, this chant it's start. ridiculous. Where, come on, just be real. This is re- this is the most ridiculous chant in college sports. It's, it's ridiculous. Okay, so I was this, like, what's this, the This
1: scared story? Dana Altman out of the job. Dude, go when you're bored. Google Dana Altman calling the Hawks. It is the most awkward thing you've ever it's seen. It's like, what it is cult the, did
0: I just step into?
1: Yes. No, it, no it's like it's like Dana Altman standing there he finally just left Creighton to take a you know a big power conference job because at the time Creighton i think was, was Missouri, Missouri Valley World. conference yes. yeah. so he gets his SEC job gets introduced and they're like you, i actually think he brought it up if i when i watched the clip back but it's like next thing you know Dana Altman is calling the Hawks <laughs> it never looked nobody's ever looked more awkward than dana altman calling the hog. like three days later he's like creighton can i please come back to omaha i can't i can't be down here calling hogs all t- the t- time t- so i go to youtube or just Googling, and i'm like uh okay maybe there's a good story and i can share it on the podcast and we'll goof on it so i find the perfect clip it's like local news in fayetteville and this woman is like this the stupid video is like what's the story behind the hog call i'm like well this is perfect i'm gonna watch this Five, five minute video like news segment the entire segment is this woman walking around asking people in arkansas so do you know where the hulk call came from and every one of them is like no and then she and then she's like me neither that's the whole thing it's like it's like if you how are you gonna do a whole story on where did the uh, the hulk call come from without actually g- getting an answer to your question like if i were running the news station i'd be like you didn't. You didn't accomplish anything. Tell us the story, or let's find something else to talk about. So that drove me crazy. And it's actually not a great story. In 1920s, apparently, some fans were at an Arkansas game, football game, teams losing, and they started calling the Hogs. Just sort of, just sort of happened. And then, then Arkansas came back and won the game. And so then they started doing it again the next week. And next thing you know, you're shouting out Devin Downey. I mean, it's the same
0: thing. Devin Downey shoutouts way, way better.
1: Next, call the Hogs. Call the Hogs. Quit it now! <laughs> it is crazy. Like, this is what it is. This is my very amateur but still Southern uh, attempt at calling the Hogs. Because I, I, got, I got best friends. I had a former roommate Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas grad. Woo! Pig! Suey! Woo! Pig! Suey! Woo! Pig, suey, Razorbacks. But you have to, when you're doing the woo, you have to, you have to, to move your fingers, fingers around, fingers. around yeah. and slowly rise them in the air. And then the Razorbacks, that's a Tiger Woods uh, fist bump. Yeah. Now you try it. Now you try it. What do we got next, GP? From Carson Kaler. Here's what Carson wrote. Said, I'm a 21-year-old college golfer doubling as a massive college sports fan. The podcast gives the best unbiased college basketball content out there. They're also the only pod that understands just how hard it is to pull out a win at Pinnacle Bank. Thank goodness my Hawkeyes don't have to make the trip this year as they are 1-4 in that building. They haven't won a game at Pinnacle Bank since 2015. Norlander, it's true. I went and looked it up. Iowa has lost four straight trips to Pinnacle Bank. Amazing.
0: That's amazing. I did not realize that. Of course, it's Iowa. Of all teams. Of all teams. The Pinnacle Bank stuff, by the way, continues to pay huge, <laughs> huge, huge dividends. So, yeah, the, thank God
1: Iowa's got, you know, they got a shut to get a one seed this season. You wouldn't want to trip to Pinnacle Bank screwing that up, okay. so think, thank the Lord they don't have to make that trip razorbacks from chelsea Payne. you ready for this one here's what chelsea wrote chelsea says uh she started listening to the podcast indirectly because my husband is a huge college basketball fan then i fell in love with the podcast banter over things like how there is always kids toys on the floor and how you can't and how you can just google everything on your phone now my husband and i try to listen to the podcast whenever we are driving together we are going on almost 10 years of marriage, and it has brought us even closer. I still tend to zone out when you are actually talking about college basketball, though. So if you could put markers when you guys talk about other stuff, that would be awesome. But I am pro-wondering, like Matt Norlander. Thanks for the good times. That comes from Chelsea. Amazing that this podcast has made her marriage stronger while making mine worse.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going there. I knew i knew it Um, this podcast
1: does not make my marriage stronger because uh my wife will be like hey um i've got to run to the store and fill out an online order that somebody just made um can can i do that now and i say well no it's sunday night i have to record a podcast and she's like if you're stupid
0: (laughs) so does the podcast make your marriage stronger my marriage is rock solid and good all the same the Sunday nights are never an issue. It depends on that Wednesday, Friday morning balancing around. Usually, that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a deal here. I think you got one more. Let me let me jump in here though. Okay, let me jump in. By the way, that's a great story, and I love the idea. That's not the first one like that. We've had a few of those reviews over the years where there have been married couples in the podcast. Absolutely love it. Okay. I just, some of these things are just unbelievable, man. They're like these reviews. We don't have enough time. It would literally take like a 90 minute podcast to get them all in. So thank you to everyone that keeps doing this. And I just, I mean, what is this? What is this review? What is this? Gary, top notch insight on and off the court. Gary Parrish, who sounds more like an upbeat, faster paced, talking tiki barber, even though, yes, he's white speaks his mind in a blunt, insightful, and comical manner. Alongside the mediation of Matt Norlander, who, while sounding like he could be Cooper Sheldon's slightly cooler, older brother, can always seem to keep the conversation train from barreling off the tracks when Paris starts delightfully coming around the mountain at full steam. The pair makes for a sensational Rolodex of college basketball knowledge, giving all who listen a calming sense of confidence for their March Madness bracket picks. Tiki Barber! That's going in the no-context preview, just so we know. Just so we're clear. Tiki Barber, what?
1: Do I sound like Tiki Barber?
0: I don't know. I don't think so at all. The The review straight above that, by the way. Oh, this is one more. I got to get this in here. Then we can do Flynn. Gary Parrish looks nothing like you'd expect.
1: I never know how this to respond to that. What do people expect? I don't know what people expect from me. This is, this is yeah, let, let me tell you what you should expect from me. Very little, not
0: much. <laughs> this is going back a few months, like six months ago when we got into this. He goes, I have been listening to the show for a long time and finally saw GP on the first time on TV on CBS Sports. The only way, oh my goodness, the name on this review is Not Upset, Just Disappointed. Oh my God, it's so good. The only way I can describe it is hearing Gandalf's voice, expecting him to look like Gandalf, and then he turns out to be Professor X. Love you guys, love the pod and camel fights. Just lost it when I read that this morning. What the hell are we doing? I want more of that. Please. Okay, I,
1: I got two more, and then we'll get out of okay. here. One's from, uh, this was from Mark W. Here's what he wrote. He said, even as I have gotten busier at school, this podcast is one of the only podcasts that I have not dropped from my podcast rotation. I listen to every podcast without fail. Gary and Matt are the best combo out there. However, I have some criticism for Deadleg, which is difficult for me to do since he was kind enough to come over and talk to me and my brother, the Turgenite, at the Maryland Michigan State game last season. He said, my mission this year is to track every single trivia time to see how both of you perform. I was hoping to keep this secret so I could spring it on you guys at the end of the season, denying you the opportunity to give each other more difficult trivia times to ruin each other's scores. But here's my problem. Norlander is barely giving Gary any trivia times as of January 4 2021. Gary has trivia time Norlander 34 times Norlander has trivia time Gary only 23 times since May. While some discrepancy is unavoidable and fine Norlander having nearly 50% more trivia time opportunities than GP is not appropriate for comparison purposes. I don't want a situation like Ohio State only playing six games and getting into the college football playoff <laughs> four months to go in the season. I hope Norlander can get back in the game and even up the trivia time distribu- distribution. Good luck.
0: Love this. Remember meeting this gentleman. That was the last game that I traveled to. Uh, if you don't include going to a bubble. That was the last one I went to. I'm all about this. The problem is this. So Paris does the prep for the podcast. He gets down these rabbit holes, man. Like He's looking into stats, into Wikipedia pages. He's looking up Dodo Birds. And the next thing I know, he's got five trivia times loaded in a pot, Like on this very one, he's trivia timing me about DePaul winning at Iowa. Oh, tell me tell me when it became against the
1: rules for you to prep for your podcast. and no,
0: no, it's not a I listen, I'll be locked and loaded. Here, one more for me, maybe one less for you and we'll we'll eventually get there. I love the idea that someone's been tracking this by the way. No idea what my hit rate is. I'm just hoping I'm above 70% with these trivia times, but it's duly noted. I can take the criticism, apply it to myself, and I'm going to drop some more trivia times on GP.
1: Okay, last one. And I, I made this one last for a reason because I do get uh, the question that I get to. I get it a lot. And then there was the Chicago Bears playoff game today. So it'll provide an opportunity for you to touch on that. This one comes from somebody who identified as Golden Gate Mike. I'm going to assume that's a fake name.
0: <laughs> I love Golden. I'm assuming Don't Actually, get- no, 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 no. Nope. There's no assumption. Mike Anderson is listening to this podcast. Thank you, Mike.
1: What if this question is from Mike Anderson? It better be. That, that is one of my favorite things of, of, the, of the podcast is, is that we, we just named Mike Anderson Golden Gate Mike. I don't even remember the context.
0: Oh, like I, you, I, I remember. but
1: you, Oh, I do. Chris Mullen had scheduled a game. That's right.
0: At the new arena there. for the Golden State Warriors. St. <laughs> Johnson out there for no damn good reason whatsoever. And they won. It became Golden Gate Mike that night and for the rest of time.
1: Chris Mullen schedules a game to go back to the Bay Area, take St. John's, and then, like, he's no longer the coach, so Mike Anderson's got to go to the Bay Area. It beats, Ara- to-
0: beats a ranked Arizona team to do it, by the way.
1: How about that? So here's what, uh, go and get Mike I've owed this. I've owed this pod a review for over a year now, but better late than never. GP and Norlander are quite the dynamic duo. These guys are a pleasure to listen to, and for me it stems from their shared love of America's best sport. I'm not embarrassed to say I geek out on college basketball just like these guys. As a St. John's fan... This has been my go-to podcast for college basketball. With the disappointment of last year's tournament getting canceled, it was a bit too sad to stay dialed into college basketball since March. But with our new season, I'm happy to be back. And getting back into the pod was like getting back on a bicycle. And GP and Norlander haven't missed a beat. Huge props. And thanks to these guys for all they do with the pod. Now, I do have to ask. Um, Given that I'm a big general sports fan like GP and Norlander and a big Mets fan like GP, I enjoy hearing you guys dish on your favorite teams. So what are the stories behind Mississippi born GP being a diehard Mets fan and suburban Connecticut Norlander being a Bears
0: fan? I get this question all the time. At least the fifth time you've ever explained this on the pod by the way, which is fine, but yes, long-time I, listeners are going to be like I, we're about to hear the same damn explanation again. But I, I don't know if I've ever explained my Bears fandom. You go first. I still yeah, I
1: get the question all the time. So much so that I just ignore it on Twitter now cuz I've like I've told it a, a million times. But like real quick. So some of it is just timing. I was born in 1977. I started playing baseball you know when I was like 5 years old, so like 1982. So so I was watching baseball. And back then, you young folks won't this will blow your mind, but you couldn't watch every baseball team. There was no like MLB subscription. You could only watch baseball that actually came on TV and only three teams were regularly on cable. The Cubs on WGN, the Braves on TBS and the Mets on WOR. So the Mets were one of the teams that I could actually watch on WOR, which later became WWOR. Beyond that, the Jackson Mets were the AA affiliate of the Mets in Jackson, Mississippi. So there was a Mississippi connection like Davey Johnson, who managed the 86 Mets to a world series previously managed the Jackson Mets. So there was a Mississippi connection beyond that. Again, timing, Daryl Strawberry comes up in 1983, wins rookie of the year. Doc Gooden comes up in 1984 wins rookie of the year. So they had good young talent. Then they won a world series in 86 So it was all rooted in the timing of me becoming a baseball player and the ability to watch the Mets on TV, the connection to Mississippi, and Doc and Daryl coming along right as I was getting interested. And boy, it was really fun, like those first few years. Doc Gooden, Daryl Strawberry, World Series, and then it's just been not great for like the past 40 years. But, 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 But Francisco Lindor is on his way, wealthiest owner in baseball, is now the owner of the New York Mets. Is a good time to jump back. If there's any young people out there trying to become baseball fans, this would be a good time to become a Mets fan. I, I had to suffer for like the past 40 or so years, but um, but I would I'm hoping the next 20 are good.
0: Yeah, we've uh we've been waiting about the same amount of time here for our team, our favorite teams to win a championship.
1: Oh, I've said this before. The Bears and Mets are very similar in the sense that. They had not just championship teams in the mid '80s, but like iconic teams. Everybody remembers the '86 Mets. Everybody remembers those '85 Bears, and they, you know, and they created a national fan base because the Mets were on cable, and because the Bears had Walter Payton, Jim McMahon, In Shades, refrigerator Perry. You can yep. tell that story. But then since then, it's been just almost miserable ever since. Like it's the Mets and Bears stories are very similar.
0: They are. Um, yeah, that was just. Uh, you know, I didn't expect the Bears to win, and I'll get to why I'm a fan. But I, I didn't expect them to beat the Saints. But it's just, it's just deflating and defeating when if Jimmy Graham gets a touchdown on the last play. You get to nine points, but in effect, like that's just total garbage time stuff, and they just fall right on their face. Need a, need a change there. Um, so I'm a Bears fan, uh, despite living in Connecticut, uh, having really grown up in Vermont, uh, my parents are both from Chicago. They were both born there. They lived there. They met there. And then I was just appropriately brainwashed when I was a kid, um, as I'm doing to my own boys right now. And no regrets. Uh, bears are just frustrating, but I do not... I'm, I'm serious when I say this. And that's why I always have... Uh, a certain connection and empathy with with college basketball fans that like to love to listen, that love to listen to this podcast and love their teams and all that stuff I'm not kidding I do not have the intellectual or emotional capability to not root for the bears the bears could lose every single game for a decade and I still would be incapable of not on a on a genetic and DNA level of rooting for them no matter what it is more a blessing than a curse, I guess, but um, that's basically it. My mom is the one. My dad's not so much a huge Bears fan. He'll root for him, but uh, he went to Florida. He's more. He cares more about the Gators, um, but my mom absolutely died in the wool. Huge, huge. I mean, she had season tickets to the Bears growing up, um, all that good, good stuff. So that's basically it. Parents were there, made me one. And so here I am in Connecticut rooting for a team that's now stuck in limbo. 8-8, and make the playoffs only because they go to seven teams. Not going to get a quarterback destined to be anywhere between a 5-9 and win team for the next half decade while all these other teams are either terrible getting great quarterbacks or already have great quarterbacks. So that's a lot of fun.
1: Is that it for my boy Anthony Miller?
0: Yeah, man, that's just not good. What's he doing, man? Getting thrown out of this game. He is – I said this last week. Darnell Mooney is what I thought Anthony Miller would be. He has just not been – the
1: Memphis plan. boys don't put up with somebody yapping at them. If, yeah. you're yap, if you're going to yap, we're coming for your throat.
0: Yeah, that, that didn't uh, that didn't help things there. So he'll be with them next year. But, yeah, he's darn You oh. sure? Like, every
1: Chicago person I saw tweet <laughs> was like, that's it for Anthony Miller. He'll no, never no, I'm play done. another don't snap. Don't
0: get me wrong. I'm done. But, like, uh, I think he's uh, contract-wise, he's got another year there. So, hey, as, it is, as we record this, by the way, shouts to uh, – Shout out to the Browns fans. I really don't think I'm going to be jinxing you, and if I do, my sincere apology. It's 28 to nothing in the second quarter here, so uh, you've been waiting forever. Bills fans and Browns fans. Bills hadn't won a t- uh, playoff game since '95. They got one. Browns obviously hadn't been in the playoffs since 2 it had been a long time coming there. So uh, I think there are a lot of fan bases that have been uh, very hungry and uh, hungry for this kind of stuff. So my my genuine appreciation and uh, and good vibes to you guys for uh, for doing that. So yeah, there we go. Little little inside our homes and uh and our own our own fandom there that's uh that's pretty much all i got
1: like i'm genuinely fired up for this baseball season like my job is college basketball and i do love it but i get way more fired up for baseball
0: season i'm kind of with you in that well college see college basketball and the nfl are like one a one b to me so i'm always fired up for nfl and the bears but i like i'm just I'm, i'm always super into college hoops as well with baseball i i like it but Cubs got to be good for me to really get into it and then we're going they're going the wrong way so it's going to be like you know I'm not that particularly jazzed about baseball but you should have every right to be I mean there's a real reason to feel optimism there with the Mets because they're they're building it and you finally like you got the new owner that's the thing like that's I love if the ownership group with the Bears change it's not changing
1: Dude, and the owner like I don't know how much you know about him and we'll get out here in just a second but like he's he is the wealthiest owner in Major League Baseball he's a hedge fund guy um, he is the inspiration for the character in billions. Yeah. And, and he grew up in Queens. He grew up a Mets fan, which is a whole yeah. nother level of like he, he's already on the record saying, I'm not, I, I this, this is not, I'm, I'm not trying to make money. Yeah. I got other ways to make money. I'm trying to win World Series. And so, like you hear that, it's like let's get let's let's go. You're like he doesn't care. He he cares about this as much as I do, and he's got the money to make it great.
0: It's a great spot to be in for sure.
1: Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the ION College basketball podcast in the middle of the absolute dumbest pandemic I ever lived through. This is the worst worst Norlander the like I've never seen one anything close to this I pray we never get another one anything like this
0: (sighs) it's the only one man by the way still the only one but yeah it's the
1: worst one man it's the worst one I didn't see I didn't see this coming I didn't see I didn't see this this has been a this whole thing's been a bigger surprise than Drake start 13 and oh and oh by the way Drake shut down by Coba.
0: I know so they're gonna be undefeated for another week I know they didn't get their big games in
1: If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe any way you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you have time to rate it five stars and leave a nice review, um, that would be awesome. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get to it next Sunday night. Either way, we're going to talk to you again on Wednesday morning. Till then, take care.